around Palestine. We're going to have to leave it there, Bill, but we're going to continue the discussion and post online at democracynow.org. Bill Fletcher, longtime trade unionist member of the nation's editorial board, and Jeff Shirky, labor historian, journalist, will link to all of your pieces. A very happy birthday to Narmeen Maria. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. Rectangular, rapid-flashing beacons are warning devices at pedestrian crossings. Maintaining safety at these crossings is the responsibility of both pedestrians and drivers. Be watchful when you see a pedestrian beacon and look for approaching pedestrians. Even when the lights are dark, a pedestrian should push the button to activate the signal. When the lights begin flashing, indicate you intend to cross by carefully stepping into the crosswalk. The flashing lights are meant to catch a motorist's attention. When you see them, it means a pedestrian is trying to cross. Be prepared to yield to pedestrians in the crosswalk. Allow pedestrians to completely cross the road, whether or not the lights are still flashing. When pedestrians and motorists follow the rules of the road, everyone can stay safe. Yes, do be careful out there. It's dark, it's winter, and um, there are a lot of people out there. It's also 6 o'clock on a Tuesday. You're listening to WUSB Stony Brook, broadcasting at 90.1 and 107.3 megahertz, as well as over the Internet to the entire world at WUSB.FM. Now, because it's Tuesday at 6 p.m., that means that the program schedule for this time is off the wall.
Good evening. To the program is off the wall. Emmanuel Goldstein here with you on this Tuesday evening, joined tonight by Kyle. Hi. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Overall, I'd say. Do you know what this is? Uh, this is Boxing Day. That's true. You're right. It is Boxing Day. What, what are we supposed to do? I... I so to hit somebody full in the face? Is that what it is? Or? I think it has something to do with um, uh, the... the the boxes that packages come in. No, it's a Canadian thing. I don't know. Why, why are you asking? I'm just well, saying. Well, you brought it up. I, you mentioned it. You asked me what, what it is. What, I, I you tell you, me what it is. I, well, I was going to tell you what, what it is. is. It? I said, what you know what what it is, what this is. This is the theme song? No, this is our last show for 2023. Oh, I, okay, yeah. And I wanted it to mean something special. Now it's ruined. So that's where we are. Um... Folks listening, uh, how was your holiday? Um, it was a, a, a fun time, I'm sure, for all. There's a lot of stuff to get back to in the six intervening days of the year. All right, I'll, I'll do the show, but we're going to talk later. No, this, um, <coughs> this is business. Yeah, this is hard. Yeah, right, this is right. hardcore. You know, Community today, radio. You know what today also is um, right now. I, you know, I, this brings back memories from when I first started at uh, WUSB, uh, and our general manager Norm Preslin uh, would tell us the importance of being at the station no matter what, and he would say December 26th, it's the loneliest day on campus, but you have to be there if you have a slot to fill. And that's well, we're broadcasting remotely, so technically we're not. But you know, we showed up virtually. We're here. It's it's six oh six and forty five seconds right now, so that that should prove that we're, that's not good enough for you. Okay, it's it's foggy outside. Uh, it's foggy. It's dark. What more do you want, people? We're live. We're here right now. <sighs> they don't believe me. Um, did anything happen in the news today? Well, I haven't been paying attention. So where do you want to start? I I don't know. It's the day after Christmas. It's always going to be the day after Christmas on the twenty sixth, so that doesn't prove anything. Um, yeah, well, um, um, no, Congress isn't in session, so nothing stupid happened. Yeah, I, I didn't follow any kind of uh, activity there. I mm-hmm. assume they're still away. Israel bombed? No, that's, that happens every day. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's, that's well, cool. you're just going to have to take our word for it. Thing. It's um, December 26th, last show of the year, so uh, next year it'll be 2024. We, we don't have to prove it. No, we don't. We don't. We don't. But we have will to prove com- anything. We'll commemorate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are some new things that will be happening in 2024, at least here in New York. Uh, let's see here. Um, <clears throat> millions of New Yorkers will see a little bit more in their pay because minimum wage is going up to $16 an hour in most areas, including Long Island. Um, so that's that's got to be good, right? Yeah. Um, there's two other bills effective January 1st that will allow all voters to vote in elections by mail. During the nine-day early voting period, and allow cities to combat damage from overpopulation of deer. Wait, are these two things linked? Because um, they're not really related. Uh, early voting and overpopulation of deer are two totally separate items. Just want to make that clear. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, I don't know about the deer thing. You know, I never have problems with deer. I really don't. People are always upset. You know, they they say. The problems that deer bring are that um, uh, people hit them with their cars and people have their flowers eaten that they wish to grow in their front lawn. These are human problems. These aren't deer problems. You're the ones driving and, and hitting things without looking, you know, without being careful. And you're, you're, you're planting flowers that don't belong here in the first place. So, yeah, of course the deer are going to try to correct that. I don't know. Am I am I over sympathetic to deer? Well, I think um, sprawl itself is something that uh, puts people the urban wildland interface uh-huh. further out into spaces that that weren't uh, that way. And of course, um, there's unusual um, population things going on with all kinds of animals that are able to um, adapt to human uh, f- uh, food and, you know, byproducts of the environments humans are creating. And and I don't know, there has to be, I guess, 
some kind of management, it is a, a, a very frequent topic. Uh, people really get into this. Well, you know, and, every time someone brings this up to me, they, they say, you know, they're out of control. They're they're destroying the um, the, the plants, the the you know the the flowers, the trees. Uh, it's overcrowded. They're getting in the way. And I always say to them, and it's never met well. Yeah, you know, um, I, I I hear that problem, and there's this species known as humans that are the worst offenders. Um, how shall we control them? <laughs> and usually the answer isn't a, a controlled hunt of any sort. No, usually uh, we're the ones that are supposed to just do whatever we want, and um, if, if some other species is uh, becoming a little bit too prevalent, well, that's a problem. We have to do something about that. That's a problem we caused in the first place because we cut down all the forests where they used to live, and now they're here because we didn't used to have deer in the area. Well, imagine if deer had smartphones and were, like, documenting all the instances where humans were occurring in their environment and uh, sharing it and, and talking about ways to mitigate the humans. There were, you know, we have all these people with, with sensors that are going out and, and, and uh, being aware of all the, the wildlife that uh-huh. um, they're living amongst and act, acting surprised. And Wait, are you saying maybe, maybe they have something beyond cell phones and they're keeping track of us that way and we don't know what, that, what they're using yet because well, I we think, haven't advanced to that stuff? I'm, I not, I'm, I'm we, not going to sleep tonight now thinking about need, that. We need people to imagine that possibility because you wouldn't want to start offending them. You know, I try not to offend wildlife. I really, you know, I, I try to get along. And I, I think it pays off because, you know, we, we walk around various areas and we actually start recognizing uh, swans in the area. And they recognize us. And uh, instead of running away or, or turning their back, they just sort of stay around. Turkeys are the same, except they're more hostile and they will chase you. <laughs> I think it's awesome that they that they chase people and they chase cars and all that. And I say the more the merrier. There, there have been. Um, a, there's a lot of waterfowl and birds and and that kind of thing, and it's it's cool to be aware of species that have bounced back mm-hmm. that were otherwise um, uh, uh, endangered, and um, things like fox and and other animals being around that that their reemergence or um, numbers mm-hmm. have an effect on these other animals too. And you, there's even um, reports of bears in Connecticut and 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 uh, other species uh, that are moving in in ways that are unusual or, or that haven't been um, that haven't been a part of the areas and of course they're wow. experiencing sprawl as well uh-huh, so they get yeah. the same kind of things like oh gosh there's there's bears all over and it's it's sort of people be um, that are there documenting it and um, the migratory patterns and their interface with places where people are living um, uh, becoming more prevalent. Uh And um, so there's bear or bears. What's the plural of bear? Oh, I I messed that up for sure. No, I know deer. The plural of deer is deer. I I, I thought the plural of bear was bear. It's bear. But I've seen the word bears many times. So there's a you can get away with saying bears. Maybe when you're talking about a group of bears, maybe you can do it that way. But you can't say a group of deers. Boy, English is weird. Yeah. Um, the other thing, that wage increase, that's well, probably well, well, just going to account for, like, inflation. And so, you know, yeah, people, of course. Are, people are just, that's going to, like, just basically break even <laughs> and maybe um, allow people to make it to next year. But I want to go back to the wildlife because yeah. Connecticut has, has bear and New Jersey has bear and we don't have bear here yeah. on Long Island. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to it. All they have to do is swim across the Long Island Sound. Or take the ferries. Or we just smuggle a few, you know, cubs over. And let I just want nature to know, take its course. Are people serious about the deer mitigation? Well, how about coyotes? Coyotes, I, I understand, are on the way. I don't know why they're taking so long to get here. But when they get here, they, they can hunt, you know, if, if let nature take its course on, on that as well. You know, um, if, if, if you feel there are too many deer, uh, it's not up to us to control everything. And it's, you know, it, it, it's pretty dangerous to just allow hunting in suburban areas in the first place. If we're going to be concerned about, you know, having all these animals around, well, having all these hunters around isn't much better. Yeah, especially in conditions of low visibility as it's been uh, in certain areas mm-hmm. this past uh, weekend. But, yeah, I mean, I think 
we're noticing it more, and part of that is is growth. So we, I just feel like that should be part of it, or at least taken into account. And yeah, I, I hope the strategies are good and um, meet some kind of baseline, so that there is something you know that that is suitable, and it's not just sort of window dressing and, and you know kind of a a theater of of managing something that in some places is a problem, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's as big of a problem. People should drive slower and yes. on and on. Just hey, what be, else? Be careful out there. There, there are a lot of uh, creatures, human and otherwise, that don't have reflectors and maybe aren't doing the right thing. But you're the one in the car, and um, well, <laughs> you, know, you can cause the most damage, and that's, that's not a good thing. Another aspect is just com- comprehensive urban planning and uh, and uh, the, the, the kind of um, strategy where things aren't so haphazard mm-hmm. because yes. if you have ways that, you know, wildlife aren't cut off from the patterns of where they're, where, where they're um, moving from and to, and all of those things can be taken into account. Like we have a lot more tools and, and uh, information about how to do things right. So this new change to uh, state election law, uh, voters will be able to mail ballots during the early voting period without the excuse of illness or being out of town. That's required by traditional absentee ballots. It's called no-excuse voting, which I like the sound of. Um, That began as a temporary measure during the COVID-19 pandemic uh, to limit spread of the virus at crowded polls. Of course, the Republicans are against this, (laughs) against anything that makes it easier for people to vote. Um, Yeah, Senate Republican leader Rob Ort of Lockport, wherever that is, called the new law an unconstitutional scheme by Democrats who repeatedly attempt to rig the system in their favor. Well, look... Rob, let me, let me just explain something to you. That's what voting is. That's what campaigning is. You always want the system to work in your favor. And that's what you guys do all the time, is try to rig the system in your favor. It's called politics. All right? And, but I don't see how you can argue against making it easier for people to vote. And, of course, we're talking about people who are eligible to vote. <laughs> Nobody is saying, let's let everybody vote regardless of their status. No, Obviously, this is done in a, in a very secure manner. I mean, Kyle, you, you're from Washington. You vote by mail all the time. It's a, in fact, everybody in Washington votes by mail. It's great. It works. Tell these people. Please. <laughs> well, it's, it, it has to do mainly with signature verification and the, the paper ballots, I mean, that are, that are accounted for in a, a very systematic way and a lot of the facilities that are responsible for this have standards for how their um, their on-site systems are managed and uh, contained or compartmentalized. And there is obviously surveillance is a big part of uh, counting ballots. It was used in really manipulative ways, ways that Rudy Giuliani is paying dearly for now. But surveillance in the places where uh, access control and verifying who is around, if they're indeed um, election workers doing the, doing their shift, doing the the procedures and things that they're expected to do, that's that's a part of how all of this should be structured. Even if you're not using paper ballots or um, systems that have been shown to to work really quite quite reliably. Um, as far as tabulating and, and pretty quickly with with a lot of these elections um, d- divisions and in various parts of the country doing their their very best and 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 when they're attacked like this it's it's sick and they should um, have some kind of um, uh, outcome with through the judicial system uh, as a consequence of of uh, accusations against uh, work they're doing if, if they're shown to have uh, been made uh, um, incorrectly, like uh, allegations that are just total uh, total slander and, and right. stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it could be lucrative for election workers. So we need those people. We need those systems. We need it to be whatever works, whatever states decide, it, it needs to be something that has been tested. And I don't know, it, for an absentee system, I think that's a, a part of it. We were confronted, actually, I think, talking to some people about this, and I forgot to mention the other aspects of it. Uh, we were just talking about um, basically a system that has a receipt or a, a way to verify. The person we were talking to was talking about electronic machines, which I agree, and I was saying that physical access and a lot of the 
the ability to manipulate it has to do with who's really in front of it because mm-hmm. it's more or less contained. Um, but that's my limit based on my limited knowledge. I didn't mention that there are alternative systems that use paper ballots and um, automated tabulation as well as things like signature verification and other details to verify the voter is indeed who they say they are. Right, right. Well, you know, here in New York, we seem to have the um, um, the, the fill in the the bubble and fax machine type voting system that uh, I'm not a big fan of, but it does work and it is uh, able to be to be verified and checked and all that. Um, so um, uh, I, I don't see the harm in having the um, uh, the early write in uh, or, or uh, mail in voting uh, for people who can't make it. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me why people would be opposed to that unless. They simply don't want more people to vote, and it, that kind of makes sense. It's, now, it's wildly disingenuous to make it out to be like a free-for-all, because it's not. Speaking of uh, elections, something else that is going to be affecting elections in New York uh, is a bill that, um, or law actually, that uh, Governor Hochul signed on Friday um, that uh, could radically transform local elections here in New York, switching them to even-numbered years to coincide with gubernatorial and presidential elections. Yeah, uh, so basically um, advocates for that law argue that New York traditionally has higher voter turnout in even-numbered years than in odd years when town and county offices are on the ballot, like the year we just had now. Um, the key political point is Democrats historically have a much better turnout during gubernatorial and particularly presidential, presidential years. Now, <laughs> what do you think Republicans feel about this? Um, yeah, Republicans criticize a new law as an attempt to nationalize local elections and boost Democrats' chances in co- uh, contests for county executive, town supervisor, and other local officials. Um, Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort, again, the same guy, Rob Ort, <laughs> why is he the one criticizing all these laws? It's a totally different story. Uh, and now he's from North Tonawanda, so he changed where he's from. Uh, the, the touted benefits of this bill are a total sham concocted to hide the Democrats' goal of expanding one-party control to every level of government. Okay, Rob, again, first of all, uh, have you seen the election results here on Long Island? Because, boy, this place went red pretty pretty good. Uh, in fact, uh, many parts of New York State are red. So uh, to say it's one-party rule, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a bit of a misrepresentation at best. Um, to say that uh, this is an attempt by Democrats to gain a, a political um, um, uh, advantage, again, yeah, this is politics. This is what they do. You'd be doing the same thing if the role was reversed. So let's not be all shocked at this. But, you know, it's hard to argue against something that results in more people voting. And that's what you guys are always doing, is arguing against more people voting. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. I advise against it. You know, maybe have better policies, better candidates. You might do better in those even years. I'm looking forward to this beginning in 2026. Yeah, all eligible voters should be given the opportunity, and it, it's it, it, it's a bad, bad look when you when you are shaping it by redistricting, redistricting, or other kinds of policies that disenfranchise people. Yeah, to celebrate, I might leave town uh, before November of 2026, and. Uh, vote no excuse mail-in and uh, yeah see how that works for for a local office in, okay. in, in an even year that's no <laughs> a right to stab to remember this um, okay so let's see um, what is going on in the rest of the world oh boy uh, so death toll in um, in Gaza is now over 20,000 yeah I remember when uh, it reached over 10,000 doesn't it seem like the world is less outraged now that it reached 20,000 than when it reached 10,000 or when it reached 2,000? That's what I'm afraid of, is that we're becoming desensitized to this and we're not paying enough attention and the rest of the world is just kind of, you know, giving up and um, accepting this as normal. It's um, it's a really bad uh, um, chain of events that has been taking place over the past couple of months and it only has been a couple of months. This kind of um, of death toll is, well, I, I, I can't say unprecedented, but it's something that is not normal and is not something that happens that frequently. I mean, we're, we're talking about this kind of civilian death toll uh, in, in, in Vietnam is, is something that uh, Americans might remember. Um, 
but uh, it's it's just shameful. And and our not talking about it is, uh, is is helping to enable that, or simply vilifying anybody who dares to criticize this this horrific response. You know, we we always. We always talk about what happened on October 7th as a brutal attack, and it was. It was a very brutal attack. We don't say the same thing when it comes to killing 20,000 innocent women, children, civilians. We don't call that brutal. We call that a response. And that's not right. That is absolutely not right. And the more that we uh, we, we use uh, comfortable language in describing that, the more it gives a green light to continuing and just making it normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. It's not something that uh, we should just uh, accept. Do I have answers? No, of course not. I don't know anybody who has answers that are going to work. But um, it seems like a good first step is to stop. It's for everyone to stop and step back. And Netanyahu has made it clear he has no intention of doing that. He wants to um, continue. In fact, he says he's going to accelerate, make it even worse somehow. How is that even possible? And then afterwards, uh, he, he had uh, three points. I, I don't have them off the top of my head, but uh, one is to destroy Hamas. You know, I have no problem with that. Hamas should go. But, you know, Netanyahu helped set up Hamas. You know, he helped give them the control that they had, that they that, that they uh, abused horribly and that they, they use against the Palestinian people constantly. He didn't set them up, like, per se, they, as an organization. He might as well have. But he definitely bolstered them because of it, it was advantageous. He gave them more power than they would have gotten on their own, that's for sure. Right, right. And and, and helped create an impossible situation. He and, and Trump did this. Well, and the, the impossible situation we, we find ourselves facing right now. Right. And um, he, he wants to uh, uh, demilitarize um, uh, uh, Gaza, which you know that, that kind of um, that, that kind of is addressed by by the point I was making a couple of weeks ago. Uh, do Palestinian people have the right to defend themselves? Apparently, the answer is no. They will not have the right to defend themselves. Period. So uh, demilitarize them, okay, and also de-radicalize all Palestinians. Now. That's kind of the, the most Orwellian one of all. How exactly do you, quote-unquote, de-radicalize an entire population of people when you're bombing them into submission and, and murdering them? You know, yeah, <laughs> tens of thousands, literally. And, and you wish for them not to be radicalized. What does that mean? Does that mean they're supposed to uh, welcome you as friends after all this? That they're not supposed to criticize in any way? That uh, they're supposed to turn off the bad TV channels and only watch the good ones? I mean, this is unrealistic, and we cannot allow someone like Netanyahu to set all the terms here. Uh, you know, when this is over, whenever that happens, uh, the, 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 the bombing, I mean, uh, there has to be a solution that either um, pisses everybody off or makes everybody feel like they got something, but it can't just be whatever Netanyahu wants, because believe me, it'll, it'll come out, I'm sure. Uh, a, a good part of why all this is happening is to take the attention away from all the criminal charges Netanyahu is facing, to keep him in power for as long as possible, and um, to dehumanize, to dehumanize uh, the enemy. And it's like we've learned nothing. I'd like to play something, and uh, this is going to surprise you, Kyle, because it's a piece that I put together for this radio station, this very radio station, Back in July of 1981. Wow. Yeah, I was a kid then. <laughs> I was pretty new at the station. And um, Who let you in? I don't know. Well, actually, you know, that was um, that was the first year of The Voice of Long Island, the show that uh, I did with uh, my good friend Mike Uhas. Um And um, I just put together this piece, which um, was based on news events of the time. Um, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to play this particular fake news piece. And um, tell me if anything seems familiar. Remember, July 1981. This is a special report from the newsroom of Radio Free Long Island. Less than an hour ago, Israeli warplanes in a surprise move attacked the campus of the State University at Stony Brook. 
We understand there was significant damage sustained by the university, including the loss of its hot water generator. The athletic fields were also heavily mined, and several academic buildings were destroyed, along with one dormitory. There is no word yet on casualties. There is also little, if any, understanding as to just why this raid took place. An official of the Israeli parliament, whom we contacted late this evening, said that Menachem Begin has had his eye on Stony Brook for a while. According to him, there are a number of Arab students who reside here, as well as a number of people who criticize Israel's regime on a regular basis. This, in Begin's words, is sufficient evidence to classify Stony Brook as a major potential enemy. He calls today's raid on the campus a defensive move which was totally justifiable. However, there are some who disagree. No, 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 I don't go along with it at all. I mean, I could see bombing an Iraqi reactor or maybe the Palestinians or something, but this is a campus on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. It's in the United States. And I don't think you can get away with that. It's, it's stupid. Why are you bombing out? Are they going to bomb individual houses next? Come on, this thing is getting kind of ridiculous, don't you think? Stony Brook's president, John Marburger, was away on vacation when the attack occurred and so could not be reached for comment. A spokesman for the president said, I don't want to talk about it. Campus activist Mitchell Cohen commented from the headquarters of his leftist organization, the Red Balloon, saying that he was torn between calling Israel an aggressive, imperialistic, fascist nation of upstarts or calling the United States an anti-Semitic, overgrown nation of bourgeois opportunists. He hopes to make up his mind by tomorrow so that the left can move ahead with renewed strength. It's not clear whether or not this latest attack by Israel will have an effect on those fighter planes that are still waiting to be shipped to Israel. An unidentified spokesman for the State Department was heard to say late tonight that bombing an American university might not have been a very smart thing for Menachem Begin to do. In Tirana, there has been no comment whatsoever from the Albanian government at last report. Oh, boy. Well, if you knew me, back then, I always had to work Albania into everything. Wait, there was no follow-up from Albania? No, Albania, had, no, Albania had nothing to do with any also, of this. Also, they never commented. But, look, this has been going on for a while. 1981, I did that piece. <laughs> because because Israel has developed this reputation of just complete overreaction and, and uh, just no rules apply. So, at the time, you know, they were. I think they had just bombed uh, an Iraqi uh, um, a nuclear plant or something. Um, so people were saying, yeah, well, they could just come to Stony Brook and, 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 and bomb them as well. And you see also the same reaction if you dare to criticize anything that their government does, then you become labeled as anti-Semitic or uh, uh, somebody who uh, uh, clearly is on the side of Hamas. And it's ridiculous, you know, if, if, if that applies to anyone, uh, well, then identify those people and, and stay away from them. But the vast majority of people simply don't want to see massacres. And um, that's pretty much always been the way it, it, it is. And a good number of people in Israel feel the same way. So, um, yeah, that's something to think about. I, I just you know, I realized, yeah, we did that piece so many years ago and, and not much has changed. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible. That's so long ago. And it is the, the sort of traits of like defensive self-esteem. Um Mm-hmm. So, sadly. Yeah. Anyway, if you have comments, uh, write to us, otw at 2600.com, and uh, we'll be sure to uh, uh, read those remarks, maybe even on the air. Who knows? What else? Um, big shout-out to the Long Island Railroad, of all people, because we went to uh, to the city, and, boy, their system has improved. At least for us, it did. We, we, we had, uh, you know, a, a couple of instances where we had to take the train, uh, and, uh, you know, in connection with, um, 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 the, um, the phone app that they use now, what's it called? Train Time, I think, uh, where you, pretty good. yeah, you know when a train is showing up, you know what cars are crowded, you know, uh, where to transfer and all that kind of thing, and you can buy tickets with it as well, and just do the whole thing on your phone in five seconds and simply show, uh, the, the QR code to the conductor and everything is fine. Um, but also, you know, again, mileage varies. I, I know that. Uh, but we, we took a rush hour train. I think it was, uh, should I give it away? The, the 458 out of Penn Station. And this train is a double-decker train. You know, most, right. most trains, most double-deckers are, are completely diesel, and they, they don't go into Penn Station. But this one does. I think there are two trains a day that do this. It's unusual. 
it, because that means you don't have to switch in either Jamaica or Huntington to get to Stony Brook. And so you have what's known as a one-seat ride all the way from Penn Station to Stony Brook. It took an hour and a half. <laughs> That's the quickest I've ever gone by train. And it was on time. It was incredible. And this this is how the system can work. If it's given support, if improvements are made, can you imagine if they electrify out to Port Jefferson, which, you know, that line has not been electrified east of Huntington. It's it's well overdue. And, you know, just the connection to the university alone is a reason to do this. But, um, you know, having trains go faster, and these, these trains aren't even going that fast. We're talking like 85 miles an hour is, we I think, clocking, the top speed. Yeah, we were using GPS and uh, maps stuff to clock exactly, like, when, when it felt like it was very fast, mm-hmm. you know, what the top speeds were like. And yeah. it's, it's it's impressive, and you realize this could be in all parts of the system. And like you said, there's they are not lacking electricity. It's simply the will to, to build out that way. Exactly. And, and, you know, don't listen to the naysayers. Look, we're seeing a lot of improvements with the infrastructure bill of Biden's uh, we're seeing a lot of things um, uh, get better as far as train travel and, and mass transit and all of that. It has to be supported. This has to be something that we look at and say, yeah, this is an improvement. This is something I want to support. Now, everybody, no matter where you live, I don't care if you live in Switzerland or Germany or Holland, you think your train system is terrible. You think it, it's, it's, it's got all these problems. It runs late. But guaranteed... It's better than somewhere else. And at least here, I can point to train systems and say, wow, this has improved a lot over the last few years. And, you know, by, by realizing the, um, um, the progression and, and, and the improvements that have taken place, I think that leads to getting more of them. Yeah, and just a comment on the, the technology, specifically like apps, but also um, ways they're integrating for having them all synchronized in the way they are and timed really well, like the reliability of the information, but also the pervasiveness of information, I think are profoundly um, useful, especially when the system is under stress or there are changes or there is stuff that is that it needs to be pushed to riders. The more systems like those apps and alerts and things like that that mm-hmm. you have that people can refer to that are accurate, updated and accurate – the better um, people can adapt to changes in the system when there's um, stress or other other kinds of changes that that you need to tell people about. So those investments, I think, are you can count on them make uh, keeping the riders there because even when the bus is late or something is changing, they can at least have enough information and quickly to still uh, ride. I mean, I did miss a couple buses or I, I just had to skip out on some buses. When we were riding around, and oh, I no, we got we got in that bus that was that was completely packed. But but I had paid for one of the trip tickets, you know, the receipt ones that you have to pull. Yes, and then I abandoned that trip. We we're talking about the select buses in Manhattan yeah. or, or New York City, uh, and you use the old MetroCard yeah, system, where basically you 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 uh, what you do is you put the MetroCard in a machine at the bus stop. It spits out a ticket, and you just get on the bus. You don't um, uh, show the driver anything. Well, we were in a hurry. If ticket inspectors come on, you have to show that receipt. Now, uh, with, with the new OmniCard, uh, you simply go on the bus and, and tap your OmniCard. Yeah, I'm not sure how happened. they check that. That hasn't happened to me yet, but it's, um, it's a lot faster to do it that way. But the bus that we were trying to get on was so packed with people, but we had to get on that bus if we were going to make the, uh, the the train I just mentioned at Penn Station. Um, so uh, we crammed ourselves onto that, and it was it was something. It was a challenge. It was also rush hour, so that's the kind of thing that happens. And, and that was total opposite as far as the um, Omni system working, because it was just displaying like do not you know do not use. Or well, just, it was like yeah. out of order. Well, or for something. some reason, yeah, the, the bus was broken too, so I couldn't even scan my Omni card. Whatever you know, when that happens, you get a free ride. Uh, but you know, making the connection though made up for uh, having paid for a ride I didn't take. Earlier. A lot of buses now have screens on them. I think uh, more than half have screens that tell you what stop is coming up next. That's something that was unheard of in New York City only a few years ago. And we saw uh, similar larger display boards on platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking on the four and five. Yeah, most, most train you, platforms seem to tell you when when a new train is give coming. You all the stops for that particular cha- train, and then like rotate through to the next train mm-hmm. and give you more detailed Although, stuff. To be honest, you know, I have a lot of critiques too. Uh, when yeah, you're standing on a platform, 
why do you need to know what the fifth train to that platform is going to be? Are you going to wait for the fifth one? I mean, it's the same one as the second one, so I don't know. Um, Maybe there's too much information. Well, there's sometimes abundance. it's just the wrong information, you know? Yeah. Or there, there are, you know, I have notes, and if anyone cares to listen, I, I think it would be advantageous to, to uh, make a few changes, but for the most part, it has advanced to the stage where I could say, this is kind of like Europe was in the 1990s, <laughs> when I was complaining a lot about how antiquated, because you used to have to uh, either stand on a line to buy a ticket or go to a machine and stand on another line, and you had to do it there, and if you, you were late for your train, good luck. Uh, now you can do it, you know, anywhere on your phone, and um, the system works, and it's going to become more and more integrated. So. It's it's so much more convenient, and I just think it needs some kind of acknowledgement rather than complaints, because people always complain about these things, and I do too. But acknowledgement is also important, and yes, LIRR has come a long way. Now, some of the some of the prices are still a little high. I mean, oh yeah, gotta, that's true. You gotta weigh that. I mean, these are not um, trips you can just be taking all the time. Hopefully, it grows enough, and well, I mean, the system is worthy of of the uh, improvements. I know that that costs. Uh, even if they're getting matching funds. Somehow. But wait till congestion pricing starts, which I think is coming up in 2024 as well. It's going to cost you $15 to drive into Manhattan. Um, and, and that's uh, only slightly discounted if you take the tunnel, which you already pay a toll for. Uh, a lot of people will start opting for the train, I think. It's, it's so true because finding spots when you have a vehicle and then just remembering maintaining yeah. uh navigating and the the liability and risk of driving around in the city with a lot of people it takes so much off of uh your worries and your 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 travel plans when Look, you're not dealing with the vehicle I, I get the complaints that that uh, drivers have about having this this new congestion fee of $15 but I also don't get it, because why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself through the stress and misery of driving on a crowded road into a crowded city, trying to find parking, dealing with having your car there, when all you have to do is, is, is park your car at a train station, take a train in, and then you're in the city and get anywhere really, really quickly. Also, I don't understand um, the, the, the pushback, uh, you know, for people that... Um, are coming from various places. For instance, New Jersey is suing New York over this. I don't understand why New Jersey has it worse than, say, Long Island. What's the difference? They're they're acting like there's a special type of inconvenience to them. Uh, but uh, it's the same $15 for either one. Yes, they have to pay a toll to get to uh, uh, to New York in the first place, but they always have to pay a toll. So that's no different. And that's a Jersey thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and don't forget the uh, main, maintenance and fuel and other costs. Uh, tickets if you if you park in the wrong place it's just not worth it and you know if 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 you do have to drive in well fifteen dollars really isn't that much for for that kind of convenience and you'll have less traffic to deal with because less people will be doing that yeah and I mean ninety minutes you could be I mean middle of the night with nobody on the road hightailing as fast as you can uh, and still not really beat that and have the vehicle to worry about. Oh, I can beat that in the middle of the night. I can. Okay, I can, all right, I can, all right. Just over an hour, I can yeah, beat it. Yeah. Raceful, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to challenge me like that, sure, absolutely. I can get into the city quickly. Save it for after But the it's show, not then. worth it. It's not worth it if, if you don't have a compelling reason to have a vehicle. And so many people just drive by themselves, you know? And, and, and just think about what that does to the environment and just to the. Uh, not just the global environment, the local environment where people are trying to walk or ride their bikes. Look, we can. I didn't believe this a few years ago. I didn't think it was possible, and and people have proved me wrong. Uh, New York City is a, a city full of bikes now. It's a city uh, that is is more pedestrian friendly, but we're not finished. We have to keep working on that, and we have to keep um, uh, making it safer, and um, you know, able to breathe the air. That'd be nice. So um, it can be done. It can be done, and I think New York will serve as a as a model to the rest of the country. So. Yeah, as long as people care about it, and I think the motivation is there. People really want cities that they're proud of. Right. Yeah, extra fifteen dollars if you drive into the city. Okay, you know, uh, if 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 you're a merchant, charge extra fifteen dollars over the course of the day. I'm sure it'll be fine. If you're, you know, if your boss for some reason wants you to come to the office and drive your car in, I don't know why they'd want that, but uh, make sure you get a raise that covers fifteen dollars a day. I don't know. There, there are ways of, of dealing with this situation, but not doing it, that's not a way to deal with anything. 
Okay. Um, ready to get angry? Oh, we're not angry. No, it, this isn't anger. No, not yet. All right. Yeah, just go for it. Well, I mean, I'm angry about 20,000 people dying in Gaza. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty upset by that. I think we're all... That was 10 minutes ago. I'm talking about right now. Let's get angry again. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's go to Mississippi. Are, are you angry yet? You should be. No, I being in Mississippi. Fond memories, isn't that? Well, place? yeah, that's because um, we weren't victims of this nonsense. Well, we have a good time, yeah. The mother of a 10 year old child who was sentenced, a 10 year old child sentenced by a Mississippi judge to three months of probation and a book report for the crime of urinating in public. His mother, or her mother, which I'm not sure, um, Refused to sign, yeah, his mother, uh, refused to sign his uh, probation agreement and has asked for the charge against her son to be dismissed. The child's mother had initially planned on signing the agreement to avoid the risk of prosecutors upgrading her son's charge, as they threatened, but she changed her mind after reading the full agreement. We, um, her attorney says, we cannot in good conscience accept a probation agreement that treats a 10-year-old child as a criminal. The terms proposed are not in the best interest of our client, and we will take all necessary steps to challenge them. The terms for the 10-year-old's probation were similar to those prosecutors would demand of an adult, including sections that prohibited the use of weapons and demanded he submit to drug tests at a probation officer's discretion. Ten years old. Ten years old, urinating in public. This is how they treat people there. The agreement also imposed an 8 p.m. curfew for the child. Um, yeah, the, the terms of the agreement stem from a sentence ordered on December 12th by Tate County Youth Court Judge Rusty Harlow. Uh, the judge said the child, who is black, I'll, don't tell me you're surprised by that. And uh, I don't know what, what color Judge Rusty Harlow is, but I can guess. Uh, <laughs> the child must serve three months of probation and write a two-page book report on the late NBA star Kobe Bryant. Why? Why Kobe Bryant? Did he urinate in public once? And <laughs> Maybe it's just, you know, here, write a book report on one of the good ones. Then Maybe that's it. If I, if I can read into the judge's uh, actions here. That's uh, the, the sick message he's sending. The child's mother has said her son urinated behind her vehicle while she was visiting a lawyer's office uh, in uh, Senatobia, Mississippi, on August 10th. Police officers in the town of about 8,100 residents, which is uh, 40 miles south of Memphis, Tennessee, saw the child urinating and arrested him. Okay, you know, what kind of sick people do that? You see a 10-year-old kid urinating, and you arrest him? That's your reaction? I, I think they saw a 10-year-old black kid, and they panicked. I think that's what happened. This is Mississippi. Officers put him in a squad car and took him to the police station. The uh, prosecution threatened to upgrade the charge of a uh, child in need of supervision to a more serious charge of disorderly conduct if the boy's family took the case to trial. That sounds intimidating. You know what? I think everybody should go down uh, to this, uh, uh, this place, Senatobia, Mississippi, and urinate on the courthouse. That's what I think. I'm not saying to do it. I'm saying that's what I think. Or you could mail them jars of urine, I suppose. That works, too. Point is, this is not the way to treat people. This is disgusting. And I don't care how much people are urinating in the streets there. It doesn't in any way compare to what you are doing to a 10-year-old kid. And, and, and how many other cases like this are out there that we don't hear about? It just goes to show how how justice is so unevenly applied. I mean, think of what you got away with when you were 10, you know? Most of us growing up in, you know, places where we don't have to worry about this kind of thing. Oh, I do all the time. What, you still do things? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I think about what I got away with all the time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. It, I, you know, I've had cops. I, I, no kidding. I've had cops. Uh, I'm not going to use the language they use, but... Uh, tell me that if I were black, I would I would no longer be living, based on something they they were confronting me about, and which I completely got away with. Yeah, people really um, 
show themselves truly when under duress, when they're challenged like that, when they're um, caught off guard by the way people, by people standing up to authority. And I could totally see that, that kind of stuff as though, you know, they don't even realize the, the horrendousness of what they're saying when it's, when it's being said, but it's just uh, that, um, that, that sense of power, just Mm -hmm. they can't, um, they can't not boast about it. And, and, that is pretty awful, and I just think like the the problem of public bathrooms in general. I think that's that was covered on some some of the late night shows last year, and it, it and I I don't know if you've been in New York, you've you've seen stuff like that, um, but people should have dignity in public spaces, and um, I don't know, people go between cars all the time of all kinds, you know, people leaving bars or people leaving. Um, you know, that, that happens in an urban environment. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, it's, it's, this is the kind of thing when you dismiss the kind of discrimination that people talk about when it's, when it's, um, pointed out or there's alarm over it. This is the kind of, um, blind spot, like other parts of the world, things that, uh, other parts of the country and other people, people that, do not share your experience and are not in the safer uh, uh, spaces and th- where you can act that that way without scrutiny and and uh, and unfair uh, judgment. And I don't know. It just seems like a kid had to go, and it just seemed and Does, doesn't matter to be, to be treated that way. It just it doesn't matter. The kid had to go, or if he's just doing it recreationally, I don't care. That's not how you treat a kid for for doing something like no, that. No, and probably just. It, it just isn't. It's inconsiderate of the context and and uh, a power trip. And, and how do you think he's going to grow up feeling, you know, about law totally enforcement, about society in general? Totally traumatized. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, fortunately, these things are relegated to states like Mississippi. We would never have to worry about it in say, state like what California. Oh, but you're wrong, Kyle. You're wrong for thinking that because the Southern California city of Huntington Beach. A bastion of conservative voters has made the move to block diverse month-long celebrations of black history, women's history, and pride in favor of observing the Revolutionary and Civil Wars, California's history, and America's independence. Yeah, (laughs) an agenda item introduced on, on December 19th forbids any programming that pertains to previously established honorary celebrations for women, people of color, and LGBTQ plus groups from taking place on city-owned property, including libraries, or being featured in city communications, such as social media posts. That's uh, according to Natalie Moser, uh, a city council member who voted against the action. Uh, This means that uh, monthly programming meant to acknowledge and teach the history of historically marginalized groups, such as black Americans and LGBTQ plus people, will be replaced by content about local railroad and surfing history, surfing history, and (laughs) a month-long tribute to the discovery of oil in Huntington Beach called Black Gold Jubilee, according to the agenda item's language. It's still possible that the city can establish a day of observation for marginalized groups. That's it, a day. That's all you get. Oh, my God. This is Huntington Beach, California. You know, I, I don't know if this, if this is actually going to happen or if this is just being proposed. Um, they say that those in the far-right fringe do not represent the majority of Huntington Beach residents. But the fact that this is even making the news is so, so sad. Isn't that McCarthy's just area? Like, I, I, I don't have it memorized, but it could be. Probably is. But Wow. Nice one, Callie. Um, right on. Yeah, the blandness. This whole trend sort of is, is disturbing, and I'm wholly unimpressed. Um, the sort of disappearing of, of groups and... Um, and under the auspices of, of this sort of faux patriotism, it's it's pretty it's galling, hard to hard to take. But um, you know they'll try, and it, I, I just it's it's hilarious on on a certain level. And you have to just keep a sense of humor without getting no. Too, you're right. You're absolutely upset. right. You have to keep a sense of humor. You can't be bitter about this. It's easy. Just know, and I say this to everybody: know that we will win in the end. You know, freedom, justice, equality. It'll, it'll, we'll get there. It has been an incredibly depressing time it for has a lot been. of those groups. It has been, but we have advanced ourselves individually, I think, and, and I, we will win, but we have to stay together. 
We can't uh, fight each other, and um, you we have to believe. Fully, and sharing uh, both alarm and alerting people but, and, and, and disseminating stories that, that are, um, you know, examples of, of how these things can go wrong, and um, also just talking about your experience and talking to people and hearing them. Your listening can really have an impact on somebody that's having a bad time and, and not being heard. So tr- just be a, be that for, for someone if you can. We've run out of time yet again. I don't know how it keeps happening, but uh, we just plow through an hour like, like nobody's business. Please, if, if there's anything that we said uh, that annoys or delights you, uh, we want to hear about it. Um, please, write to us, otw at 2600.com. That's an email address for people who don't still use email. Uh, we'll be back again next week, next Tuesday, from 6 to 7. And please keep listening to WUSB. Let the hilarity ensue. Good night. Good morning, Sodom and Gomorrah. Good morning, sinners. No, that wasn't your radio sets on the bleach.
Morrow. This is London, girls. 